close your eyes. It's half past midnight, and you're listening to the Ghost Story Guys. Welcome to the Ghost Story Guys. I'm Brandon Storr. I'm Ian Gibbs. And this is a show where we talk about spooks, specters, and all the other things watching us from the shadows beyond the campfire. Some conversations only make sense after the sun has set, and this is most definitely one. Thanks for tuning in. This is episode number 45, and we're coming to you from that tiny mountain cabin you dream about but can never quite reach. How you doing, Ian? I am doing better than you've been doing. <laughs> How are you feeling? Rub my face. No, no. <laughs> I'm much better, thank you. Good. I'm yes. glad to hear that. Yes. You were You were ominously quiet on text, so I thought something <laughs> must be wrong. Yeah, I was going to say, we haven't seen each other in no, a while. Like before Halloween? Yeah, I think it was before Halloween. Holy cats. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, I had, uh, I was editing the Halloween episode on Sunday, and I thought, man, my throat's sore all of a sudden. And I thought, that's not good. No. And then, yeah, uh, next morning I had to finish it. I woke up and I thought, mmm, throat was a little more sore. Uh-oh. You know, pretty tired. So I, I was, I was more, I was sick for about a week. I, I this wow. is sort of my first, I want to say not the first day I've been active cause I've been back to the gym, Yeah. but this is sort of the, the first day I function normally like walking around and Good. doing stuff and running errands. Well, thank you for inviting me into your den of contagion. That's Absolutely. Great. Breathe deeply. <laughs> Here, lick this knife. That's yeah. right. Your knife. Yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> Gross. I mean, I don't know where that was going. But no, me nowhere neither. Good, but nowhere I, no, let's not follow it down that path. So no, I, I lay on the couch for several days watching uh, Shutter movies on. Horror, oh, okay. Horror movies See on anything Shutter. Good. I did. Yes, I won't get into it here. We'll okay. do that. The patron outtakes. Where, Excellent. Where we talk about what we've been watching. Yes, mine is desperately mainstream, but I don't care. <laughs> and if you want to hear that, you can support us at uh, Ghostory Guy or pardon me, Patreon.com/slash/GhostoryGuys. Patrons at the $5 level and above get in on our, I don't know, our ridiculous musings about television, (laughs) (laughs) as well as lots of other cool stuff. Absolutely. Uh, You have been busy. I have been. I mean, I thought I wouldn't be. I thought Halloween would hit and boom, that's it. fool. I'm a puddle on the floor eating corn chips. Yeah, no, uh, I actually got my first experience using tarot cards. Oh, interesting. And a Ouija board. Which is something I've been terrified of for as long as I can remember. Yes. Um, so the Ouija board was interesting. So we went to the house where I was house sitting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. where we watched Hunt for the Skinwalker. Yeah. And um, I was there with Karina, Tani, and Jason. And I took Karina into the green room. You know the green room. I know the green room. And when we left, I said, Did you feel it? And Karina's like, Yup. She <laughs> goes, I wasn't going any further into that room. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Ian was house sitting at a friend's house last month. Or no, uh, month before last. October. In, in October. Yeah, end of September. End of September. Yeah. And there is, uh, it's a lovely big house out in the beautiful, country. Beautiful, beautiful house. Uh, I like to say it's at the last place God made. It's, it takes <laughs> a long time to get out there. Yeah. But there was one room where we, Ian saw a shadow person yeah. uh, several times, I think. Y- yeah, yeah, yeah. In the yeah. lobby, or, but in, sorry, in, the, in sort of the, the entryway. Entry, entryway. But there was one room, which they call the green room, yeah. because it's got green. Green carpet. Green carpet. Yeah. And there was definitely presence in yeah. there. We and sort of walked in. All there of us felt it. Me, yep. you, Anthony, Anthony. Yep. Turn around, walk yep. back out. So just, just to set the stage, in yes. case you, you're turning it, you're a new listener. Which uh, also, hello. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for not starting with the first episode because it's not very good. No, no, it's embarrassing. Um, 
So yeah, so we did it at Tanny's house, which I think helped. And uh, Tanny pulled out the Ouija board, and um, it was basically an oversized mouse pad. It was like a rollout one, right? With this really cheap little wooden planchette, and um, we uh, all put our one finger on it, and we're all making jokes, and "Ah, this isn't gonna work, and all the rest of it, and then that little fucker started moving no way yeah and my finger was hovering and i'm looking very closely at everyone else's fingers because i'm very skeptical that stuff right and um everyone's finger was just barely keeping up with this thing as it darted around the board i'll be damned yeah yeah so and it it said there was something in the green room Okay, well. It said it was a female, which surprised us. First Nations female. In the green room. In uh, The spirit talking to us through the board. Oh, I see. And then it spelled out its name, but it didn't make any sense. And uh, the next day, Tanny was like, oh, I, I think, I don't think it spelled its name right. And I was like, whoa, white girl. Like we had the right letters to spell out a First Nations name in her language. <laughs> Come on. And she was like, oh, yeah, good point. So, um, yeah, it was very interesting. Huh. So did they say anything specific about what they think might what it might be in the green room? They or? said it was something they wanted to kill Brennan. I don't know. I, I get that really a lot. Pay. That's not unusual. <laughs> no, I may owe it money. <laughs> no, once they told us there was something weird in the green room, we were like, "Oh, we knew it," and then we all kind of just bailed on. You are lousy journalists. Uh, yeah, we definitely oh, that's did good. the goodbye thing because I knew enough from watching movies in the nineties that uh, <laughs> yes, you have to say goodbye. Absolutely. So no, it was good. It was interesting. I only did it because I trusted the people I was with. Right. And it was sort of in a safe space. I don't think I would do it any other way. I would never... I know there are ghost investigators who use it as one of their investigators. Sure. Tools. Oh, remember when we had Richard on? Yes, uh, that's exactly the one I'm he thinking. He was doing of. the... He did the, like the human one. Yeah. Yeah, that was where they started to have the... I can't remember what he called it, but they move you. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, the, no. No. It, no. No. Like no. When, when we finally do that show over at Four Mile. Yeah. No. 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 I won't be bringing anything... No. Please don't communicate with me or touch me or appear to me in any way. Um, <laughs> no one wants to touch you. No, thank God. Um, so, no, it was it was an interesting thing. I'm glad I did it. And then the tarot cards, uh, it was really Karina who we basically made her read all of our cards. <laughs> so we, I think, I felt like we kind of tricked her there under the guise that she was going to teach us. Right. And then we just made it her give us readings. That's fair. Yeah, That's it was Totally fun. legitimate. So I got my own cards now. I ordered them on Amazon as... You did in ancient times. <laughs> um, and we're going to see if we can all get together once a month and do sort of a oh, interesting. Uh, community of practice and, right, right, right. and do some um, tarot stuff. Very cool. Yeah. Branching out. Branching out. That's exciting. Well, our Halloween episode was uh, very successful. Yeah. That month was our biggest month so far, October. Wow. Which it usually is. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was our second October in a row that was our best month uh, yeah. of that particular year. Makes sense. Sure. But uh, we had listener stories, and I thought after that one, surely we'd have exhausted. Ah! Yes, we have so many. And I have to say, because of that episode, I was almost smothered by the amount of emails we got with even more stories. So I would say just from that one episode, we have uh, uh, produced enough listener stories to do a whole other episode. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think that'll probably be sometime next uh, in the next year. Excellent. Because we've got all our other subjects planned out for this year. Yeah. But uh, no, I, I'm looking forward to that, and I'm looking forward to today, which is... I think going to be a substantial episode, maybe not as long as Halloween, but oh, I think thank it's... thank God. Oh, yeah, that was, that was a lot. <laughs> but it's going to be long, so we are going to have a bunch of listener stories. Who's our musical guest this week? Musical guest this week is Black Arcade. The song is called Death is Not a Lover. 
And you can find more from him at blackarcade.bandcamp.com or on all the major streaming services. Cool. And uh, that will be playing in the bumpers. Very cool. Yes. It kind of reminds me of what's that song, The Mass Theme, Suicide is Painless. I don't know that. Yeah, one. The Mash Theme, you know, from the TV show Mash. Yeah. It's called Suicide is Painless. Really? Which, it, wow. No kidding. Dark. That but is. It, it fits for the show. I, yeah, I guess right? so. I never would have thought that was the theme, though. No. Or the I know. name. Holy shit. Next time you listen to it, now you know the name. Yikes. I remember walking into a truck stop in Hope and Mash was playing. Where there is no. Sorry, not. Yeah, no, it was. It was Hope. Yeah. yeah. Where, yeah, no, there is none. Anyways, I walked into this truck stop. It's sadly gone now. But MASH was playing on the television. And honestly, looking around this place, if these people had told me they thought MASH was still on television, <laughs> I wouldn't have been surprised. Yeah. It yeah. was uh, it was a husky house. Oh, I remember those. Just frozen in time. Wow. And it, it has been sadly bulldozed. But now it's mostly NWs where the old people hang out. Yeah, NWs and McDonald's. Yeah. 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 Sad. <laughs> all right, anyways. I only know that because I'm there all the time. Yeah, was good. Well, I didn't want to say <laughs> All right, so coming up after the break, listener stories. Welcome back. Uh, before we get to the listener stories, I actually had one thing sort of paranormally uh, that came up recently. Cool. What happened? Uh, I talked on the last episode about how my friend and I have had these mutual dreams right. of Rebel yeah. Stoke. Yeah. So I decided to try a little bit of uh, sort of remote viewing, yeah. kind of just to see if I could expand on that. It didn't get very far because I don't have a lot of information yet, you know, right. and I was being too general. Right. I realized that now I was sort of just going. Yeah. I, 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 you have to pick a spot. Right. You can't just do this place and see what happens. It's, <laughs> it doesn't work that way. Uh, but I did get one image that I thought was interesting. And that is, uh, if you were looking at the house I grew up in, just to the left is, um, the house of some family of mine. And then there's a street. Right. And you can see all the way down to the railroad tracks. And in this, in the one image I got was a hole, like a triangular portal almost right. that you could only see from certain angles. Hmm. But that, where that is, if you look through it, it's like there's a, a house or a barn on the other side, but it's in shade. Oh, wow. Now that on itself is like, ah, eh, fine. But where the, that hole, where that sort of rip is located, right. there's nothing there. Hmm. It's just sort of the train tracks and this little street behind them. Yeah. However, when I was a kid. I was obsessed with a house 
about 10 feet away from there. Oh, wow. A friend of mine used to babysit in this place and we used to joke it was creepy. Right. And it was because the fellow who had lived there before was quite religious. Right. And when he died, his family took everything down, but obviously where the crosses had been up on the walls for years, right. the wallpaper around it had worn. Yeah. So yeah. there was these shiny crosses all over the house, Brr. which really in the dark would you know, really catch the light from right. coming from passing cars and such. Yikes. And for whatever reason, I, when I was maybe even in my teens, my early teens, I would stare at this house and I was just, my, I, I remember my, t- my friends teasing me about it saying, what are you waiting for mother to appear in the window? <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, so I don't know if there's a connection between those two things, but there's this triangular cutout slash hole slash yeah. rent yeah. and there's like houses and other things through it, but they're in heavy darkness. And uh, for whatever reason, years ago, I was obsessed with that area. So wow. there yeah, you go. could be a That's coincidence. Cool. Who knows? But, uh, let's get to the listener stories. And as we said, there are a ton of these. I think this is going to be a long one. Okay. Buckle up, kids. That's right. Strap in or... (laughs) No, no. Disappointing. All right, go ahead. Okay, this comes from Patricia. So here's what's happening. My mom and I moved into this house four and a half years ago. I've always thought there was something else in here with me. Not a dark energy, just an energy, especially in my mom's room. She has a massive closet and bathroom that kind of run together. It's an unusual shape, and because of that, has 16 corners in one small space. As most of us know, corners are known to hold energy, and that's probably why I run out of her room clutching my shoulders. We keep the door to my mom's room closed to keep the cat out, but about a month or so ago, I went to her room to get something, and the cat followed me in. When I was done in her room, I just left the door open so he could come out on his own, which he did. And when he finally came into my room, I went to go and close my mom's door again. It was already closed. This spooked me worse than it should have. Later, I told my boyfriend about what happened and he asked if I'd swept the house to make sure an actual person wasn't lurking around. I couldn't bring myself to leave my room, so he proceeded to come over and investigate. Nothing. As of ten minutes ago, I got out of the shower, came back through Mom's room, and started a load of laundry. As I was standing in the kitchen rummaging around for whatever looked good, I heard knocking. Slow, steady, loud knocking from the right side of her room. The laundry room is connected to the left side and the pipes run under the house as opposed to through the walls. Now I'm hiding in my room. That's terrifying when you spend months at a time home alone. Yeah, that's, I wouldn't be okay with that either. Nope, I'd nope. be looking at vacation rentals. <laughs> Just Airbnb my house out. Airbnb. <laughs> Lovely. No ghosts. No ghosts. No. Come to my haunted free home. With its many corners. <laughs> my father's house has many corners. <laughs> Bring your friends. That's right. Party's welcome. <laughs> yeah, that's what you want. I mean, yeah, I would stay there. I'd just fill it with other people. Yeah, yeah. Let them get you, get it first. Well, I did that one time. I was home alone. This is back when I lived in Winnipeg. And I had two friends over and we watched The Sixth Sense. Oh, yeah. And then we watched The Others. Oh, Jesus. And then it was like midnight. Right. And they're getting ready to go. And I said, so, where are you guys sleeping? And they're like, what? And I said, well, you're not going home. I'm not being here by myself. (laughs) And they're like, are you serious? I'm like, oh, 100%. You guys are staying here. So that's the night you kidnapped some people. That's interesting. Pretty much. Yeah, fair. I wouldn't say kidnapped as much as wouldn't unlock the doors. Borrowed permanently. <laughs> borrowed. Bo- I borrowed your liberty for the night. Yeah. Well, they nod through the rubs eventually and got out, so I guess it was all good. <laughs> oh, Jesus. 
We agreed we'd stop confessing to felonies on oh, the show. shoot. Okay, they never got out. Is that better? No. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Patricia. That's that's pretty scary. That, yeah, that does... and I would love to hear what happened. Like, what did you do? Yeah, I mean, we had a question about saging. I mean, I don't know if that's always a great, the best idea, because if you're not really sure what you're doing, I feel like you can piss the thing off even more. Yeah, I, yeah, I've heard that. Um, I just finished watching a documentary that I was telling you about. Yes. Uh, and they had a priest come and clear the house. Okay. But they dreaded doing it because the activity always went through the roof after the priest left. Oh, right. Like really bad. So they just stopped doing that. Well, there was uh, one of our listeners, and we, we won't say his name on air. He asked us not to, but uh, he's in Pennsylvania. And right. uh, if you are out there, we haven't heard from you in a while. No. He had some real issues going on, and we told him not to sage because yeah. we were concerned that that would happen. Yeah. Uh, so if you're out there, man, let us know how it's going. Yeah, we are, We're curious because that was uh, pretty hairy. Mm-hmm. All right. So this next story is from Nan. Hey guys, just finished the Black Dogs episode and wanted to share this story told to me by one of my BFFs who I will refer to as R. She is what you might call a sensitive and can often communicate with people who have passed as well as sensing the presence of animal spirits. Since she is quite a logical and pragmatic person, these abilities are not trotted out for just anyone, rather she shares only with those close to her. This following story occurred about five years ago when she and another friend were walking in a marsh that is a local nature preserve. They have been walking for almost an hour when R sensed something behind them and turned to look. About 100 feet down the path, she saw a white dog about the size and shape of a skinny German shepherd. As soon as she spotted it, the dog stopped and she sat down. Since the marsh is about a mile from the dog park, R assumed this dog was on a walkabout, so she turned and they continued walking. She realized fairly quickly that the dog was following them, keeping pace about 10 yards back. She pulled out her phone to take a photo, and when she did, again, the dog sat down. As she took the photo, someone came from further down the path, and the dog bolted into the marsh. Thinking that was the end of it, R and friend took the next path toward the parking lot, which was away from where the dog had disappeared. Rounding a corner, what should they spot but the white dog, standing about ten yards in front of them. This time it waited until they were quite close before it again disappeared into the grass. Baffled, they continued on their way to the lot. The friend got in her car and left. R stood outside her car for a bit, checking voicemails. Just as she unlocked her car, she glanced toward the path, and there stood the white dog again. This time she spoke to it, and it came closer to her, slowly, until it was about four feet away. She snapped another photo, found half a cheese sandwich in the car, and tossed it to the dog. I am worried about how long that sandwich had been in there. <laughs> I just found half a sandwich in my car. Yeah. At that point, the dog came close enough for R to pet it, talking to it the whole time. She says at that point it brushed up against her leg, turned and trotted back into the marsh. She says the whole experience felt ethereal, like the air was just a little thinner than it should have been. I've seen the photos and it is quite a lovely dog. She has not seen it again in person, but since then she will dream of it during times when she is struggling emotionally and always wakes feeling energized. Another note, the friend who was with her has no memory of seeing the dog, even though R swears they talked about it as they walked. Spirit dog? Animal protector? Who knows? But it's a pretty cool story. That is cool. It is. Thank you, Nan. I wonder, I, I, you know, sometimes I wonder if, is it, is, are we just seeing a dog and just some, you know, stupid old mutt who's going, man, these guys seem to think I'm way more important than I am. <laughs> or is it, you know, yeah, something that's. Well, it sounds like my old dog. You remember my old dog? Very thin, tall, white. No. I, half greyhound. It was gone before I knew you. No, I don't think so. Yeah. You didn't have a dog when I met you. Yeah, yeah, yeah I did. Well, I didn't. No, because I came over to your house within a couple months of meeting you. And I had a dog. No. 
Has she been dead longer than I realized? Yes. <laughs> yeah, you, there was no dog at your house. Really? Yes. I think you're lying. No, because that would have been the sole bright spot in that night. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Come on, let's face it. That was pretty painful. I know. <laughs> um, oh, okay. Well, my dog was half husky, half greyhound. Okay. And would have looked like a white, thin German Shepherd. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so that's interesting. I mean, that she saw it near a marsh, I find kind of fascinating. Yeah, my dog hated water, so that was going to happen. <laughs> well, just given all the associations yeah. of No, of I agree with water and marshes yeah. and all that. Yeah, I agree. Well, I, I, I figure if it works for you, there's no sense uh, picking yeah. out it too much. Yeah. No, that's very cool. Thank you, Dan. Our next story is from Andrea. My husband and I share a job that requires us to drive in the backwoods of Louisiana. Some nights we do this job together. Sometimes one of us goes alone. A couple of days ago, I was alone listening to the Black Dog episode. I was super sleepy because it was late at night. So I didn't finish the episode and played loud music instead. About 20 minutes later, I find myself driving down a road with a man-made lake on the left and a swamp area on the right. There were houseboats and a bar on the swampy side, so there was some land in the road. I was driving was raised up about a couple of feet. It was completely dark. My headlights were the only lights. I've driven this road hundreds of times. I've seen countless animals. Black bears, alligators, tons of deer, dogs, cats, armadillos, and possums. This night, on the swampy side of the road, I saw a strange creature. Large enough to be a bear, but too skinny, and way too big to be a regular dog. Its eyes glowed red in my headlights. It didn't give me any creepy vibes, it was just strange. After I passed it, I almost turned around to check, but I thought to myself, if it's a cryptid, a demon, or a black dog, what would I do? So I kept driving. A couple of days later, in passing conversation, I mentioned it to my husband. He wasn't interested, and honestly didn't want to push it and sound crazy. A few, mo few moments later, he asked if it had a spiky-looking back. I gasped and said yes. I didn't tell him this because I thought it made me seem especially crazy. My husband laughed and told me I'd seen a wild hog. So my black demon dog, or chupacabra, was a wild hog. Maybe he was looking for truffles to bring to Steve the Cheese Demon for a charcuterie plate? Anything is possible. I love that. That is great. That is a great story. Thank you for that. I mean, wild hogs are pretty scary. I wouldn't want to oh, piss off a I wild hog. Oh, I wouldn't mess hog. with them. They take it very seriously down there. Yeah, yeah. They're always shooting them. And it's like Florida has this problem with pythons. Like stupid people have been releasing their pet pythons into the swamps to get rid of them. Oh. And now they're breeding and they're taking over and there's nothing to stop them. I saw some videos. I hate snakes. Really? Oh. You spent I don't so mind much spiders. Time with them, I don't figured. mind rats. Don't, what? You spent so much time with them. I figured. <laughs> I just know I can't stand them. They freak me right out. Interesting. Yeah. I was watching some video on Facebook. Uh, some guy. I could probably was down in Louisiana, or uh, sorry, Florida, something like that. Yeah. But this guy heard a noise in his wall. Right. So when he opened it up, it was a big fucking python. <sighs> Can you imagine? No. Just wall that shit back up. I'd, nope. I'd burn the house down. And like, <laughs> well, that's it. It's done. Kill it with fire. We're out. I quite like snakes. Ugh. No. I can't do, sp I'm not, not big on spiders, but. Don't care about spiders or rats or mice. They yeah, don't bother no, me at all. Rats, mice snakes? are fine. Nope. Oh, man. No, I, uh, I say I'm okay with snakes, but spiders are not on. All right. So thank you again for that. Uh, is Andrea. Yes. Yeah. This next story comes from Sam. My story starts in November, in my junior year of undergrad. I left an abusive relationship and was in the best place I had been mentally in years. Since the ex and I had lived together, I had just signed a lease on a new apartment. It was a unit in a converted colonial. It had beautiful crown molding and really high ceilings, but no closets or doors except on the bathroom. 
The windows were large but painted shut. The front door and back doors had deadbolt locks, but given my situation, I needed to feel very safe, so I installed two more locks on each and bought a handgun, because American South. While living there, I lost a lot of things. Simple, unimportant things at first. Hangers, socks, underwear, cat toys, etc. I thought I was crazy. I had spent the last two years being gaslit and was having trouble distinguishing reality on some level. I've always been forgetful, so I wondered if maybe I didn't actually leave those things where I thought I did. Once the thing was lost, though, I never found it. Which is weird, because the apartment was small, open concept, had no closets, and was pretty empty. Hmm. All I had was a couch, bed, clothes rack, and TV sitting on a ta side table. There was no place for the things to hide. Hmm. Then things escalated. Something unrelated, I think, happened. My car got broken into in December. My purse was stolen. I couldn't find my laptop after that, so I thought it had been stolen too. Until five months later, when I came home to find my laptop sitting in the middle of my couch. Crazy. The laptop I had not seen in months. The laptop I thought had been stolen on the couch where I sat every day, right in the middle. Wow. I picked it up without turning it on, took it to the dumpster, and moved the next month. <laughs> That's a pretty serious reaction. Good, well, good for you, though. Don't take any chances. No, I especially guess not. Especially when you're coming out of that situation. Yeah. At this point, I was not sure if it was supernatural or a stalker. Right. I was not a real believer in the supernatural, so I was operating under the stalker assumption, despite there being no way for them to get into my place. Well, you know, better safe than sorry. Yeah. Also, I didn't think it would be my ex, but I couldn't think who else it would be. My brother and his wife would be my new roommates in a split-level condo across town. Things kept disappearing at the new place, though. At first, I was able to convince myself that it was all in my head and that I had misplaced those things because I was busy and not paying attention. Until my cat's litter box scooper disappeared. There is no way I misplaced that. It literally sits right by my cat's box in a bucket. There would be no reason to move it absentmindedly. No one in the house was able to find it. I didn't even find it when I eventually moved. Then I came home to find pictures of my friends from Haiti on the floor. The pictures had been clothes pinned to a string on an old window frame in my room. Oh, weird. That, I got the idea from Pinterest. I was too young to know better. <laughs> the clothes pins were gone. No one in the house knew what happened to them. And I never found those clothespins either. Weird. This went on for about two years. The phenomenon spread to happen out of the house too. For example, I commuted to college the next town over. I was a master's student at this point. One evening after my shift at the writing center ended, I went to my car and found my keys were gone. I know they were with me because I had driven to campus. They were not in my bag, in any lost and found. No bathroom had be I'd been, I had been in, nor any classroom I had been in. I never found them. I got new keys made for my car and changed the locks of my house. Wow. Eventually, I moved to Baltimore, some 900 miles away, with my fiancé. So far, I haven't had any issues here. I would be interested to get your opinion on what was going on and why it stopped. I think something maybe attached to her at that first house and wasn't interested in letting go. Yeah, I think so too. And then when she moved 900 miles away, it kind of went, eh, too far. Well, I, want, I wonder too if... Um, sort of the stronger she got. Yes, I agree. The harder it became for it to wreak the havoc. Against. I agree. Yeah. Because I mean, the keys thing is pretty extreme. That is And extreme. that almost seems like a real attempt to, to really needle somebody, to yeah. really kind of make a dent. Yeah. Yeah. And all she did was get new keys, cat, and fuck you. Yeah. yeah that's it, awesome. Yeah, hats off to you, Sam, for, for just moving on with your life. Absolutely. I mean, I, I've been in an emotionally abusive relationship and that is a difficult thing to get out of. Yeah. It's a difficult thing to convince yourself that this is what was going on. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so no, kudos to you. That yeah, is, for sure. that is great. And, uh, yeah, I've, if anything, I'm with Ian. I think something attached itself to you and I think the stronger you got, the harder it became for it to be a problem. And I think once you, I think there was a, a sort of a symbolic power in moving too. Mm -hmm. I agree. You and know? when you move far away with your fiance, 
starting over kind of thing. There's no room for anything else to follow yeah. along. So I think that was a wise move. This next story is from Robin. I would definitely consider myself a skeptic with an open mind. I grew up and still attend a very conservative church. However, I tend to believe there's more out there than can be explained by science. My dad was a long-haul trucker while I was growing up, and he told us many stories of odd things happening on the road. People who helped in a moment of need but were nowhere to be found a few minutes later when he went to thank them. People who were hitchhiking along roads but were no longer there by the time he slowed down and pulled over to pick them up. That type of thing. The stories were rare, but told with perspective that they were spirits. My dad has two brothers. My uncle Dwayne passed away in December of 2006. For years, him and my aunt were janitors of the church we all went to. Side note, my hometown is called Maurice, Iowa. Population 275. <laughs> and growing up, we had two churches in town. That's how Iowa rolls. <laughs> my aunt and uncle always sat in the back pew so that they could ring the bell when the service was over, control the sound, etc. Six years later, in October 2012, my dad's other brother, Lee, passed away. My cousin John was singing How Great Thou Art, which he does beautifully. Both my Uncle Dwayne and Uncle Lee requested John to sing that for them at their funerals. John is totally professional and has done this many times. This time, towards the end of the song, right at the crescendo, his voice broke, and he couldn't seem to get it together for the rest of the song. Later, after the burial, we were talking to John, and he insists that he saw our Uncle Dwayne sitting in the back pew, smiling and enjoying the song. Most everyone there thinks he was just emotional, but my dad and I aren't so sure. The next day, my husband, girls, and I had to head back to Indiana, and on our way out of town drove past the cemetery where both my uncles are buried. I swear, to this day, I saw two gentlemen standing in the area where all of that side of my family is buried. When I called my mom, she said the cemetery crew wasn't out there at that time of day. The crew does include more of my cousins, so my mom checked with them. Personally, I believe it was my two uncles getting together and paying their respects. Well, that's really cool. Yeah, that is really cool. Uh, I, I took it out of the flow of the story, but um, she was joking that uh, she's related to about 50% of the town <laughs> because she keeps talking about her cousins. Right. And she said uh, when she was younger, it was about 75%. <laughs> but they moved away. Everyone kind of got, yeah, <laughs> moved away and yeah. Realized they needed to expand the whole dating pool. Yeah, beyond Maurice, Iowa. <laughs> it's like that's me and awesome. Revelstoke, Jesus. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Uh, I was going to say the church thing reminds me of something from my family. I didn't see this. This was years ago, but, uh, one of my aunts passed, my aunt Vera, she was quite elderly. And during the eulogy, my aunt Eleanor, who's giving it, she became visibly perturbed. And Eleanor is a hard ass lady. I mean, she's not well now. I think yeah. she's, yeah, she's quite ill. But when, when I was a kid, she was a time, well, she's still a tough ass lady. Uh, so no one really understood what was going on. We found out later she saw Vera at the back of the church as she was giving the speech. And that is not that uncommon. Really? Yeah. Um, there's something about people hanging around um, when they're dead until after the funeral. Oh. Because they need to say goodbye as much as people need to say goodbye to them. Interesting. And so people will often see them at the gravesite or in the church or at the funeral home. Yeah. That's huh. interesting. Yeah. But I think you also have to be able to be aware of that kind of thing to see it. Of course, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. So that's cool that your aunt got to see her, though. That's she did, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, this next story comes from Sandy. I wanted to write and share some of my paranormal experiences. They're not as dramatic as some, but I wanted to share them with others who've had similar encounters. 
During my last year of college, I worked in the Special Collections and Archive Department of the Branson Library on the New Mexico State University campus. Part of my job was to relabel shelves. I carried around a scraper and new sheet of printed labels. There were several times when I'd be working in the stacks and be called to my boss's office. I'd leave the scraper and labels where I was working to save my place. When I'd return, the scraper and labels would be on a different shelf several rows away, sometimes together, sometimes separate. The first few times it happened, I thought the other student worker was playing a trick or maybe I'd misplaced them in my hurry to respond to my boss. I asked my coworker if he'd moved the objects and he said, no, I thought you were moving my things. I never felt threatened by the objects being moved, but what happened next was a bit more spooky. One day I was working alone in the locked office when I heard my boss page me over the walkie-talkie, which was on his charger a good 30 feet away. The voice sounded a little mechanical, but I attributed that to the distance and the fact that walkie-talkies don't have great sound quality but it was definitely my boss's voice calling my name. I went to the phone and called his extension. The person on the other end told me my boss had the day off and hadn't been in the library that day, and no one from the office had paged me. It was an eerie feeling knowing that something knew my name. Happily, I graduated shortly after that incident and found a job off campus. <laughs> and we've heard of that before where they call your name. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Do not answer. No. No good comes from that. When I was in my early 20s, I worked at a church daycare. It was a recession, and any job was better than no job. <laughs> I think churches are creepy in general, agreed, mm -hmm. but this particular wing of the church was especially bad. It was built in the 1940s, and the energy was thick and heavy. There was a corner of the room where I worked, which could not be seen from the windows or from the Dutch doors. I always had this feeling that something bad had happened in that corner. The kids never played in that corner. These kids were two-year-olds, so they didn't have a huge vocabulary, but several of them said a bad man or a monster was in the corner. I know kids make up stories, but in this instance, I believe they were seeing what I was sensing. One last thing about the church. When I'd open up in the mornings, I'd often hear my name being called, only this time it was a small child's voice. <laughs> I don't know if the thing from the library followed me if it was something new. These days, I try hard to block these things out. I will be just fine if I never hear another disembodied child's voice calling my name again. Wouldn't we all be just fine if that never happened? I live in fear of children calling my name at any time. <laughs> I just don't want that. Hard pass. Yeah, no kidding. Holy man. Thank you for sending that in, Sandy. Again, the corners though, right? Yeah, you know, I know. Things collect. And kids know. Next story is from Samuel. Although I now live in Northeast Tennessee, I grew up in Southeastern Louisiana about an hour north of New Orleans. Both my dad and I have always had a bit of a sensitivity to the paranormal, or as my dad says, we've seen some shit. One episode always sticks out in my mind, even though it was, wasn't the flashiest of paranormal experiences. I was a junior in high school and doing research for a paper I was writing. Growing up in a small town, our library did not have all the resources I needed, so I had to head one town over for their library. It turns out that the library there was being remodeled, so it was temporarily residing in an old department store building downtown. Oh, these are bad news bears. Oh, yeah? I've heard bad things about department, old department stores. Really? In fact, uh, Shannon Sin just told me when. Oh, really? He was working at the Bay, yeah. Was, Interesting. Yeah, oh, you'll have bad. to tell me that. As soon as I walked through the door, I had an immediate sensation of wrongness. Not necessarily being watched, but a pervasive feeling of malevolence. I could almost literally feel it crawling over my skin. It was so strong that I actually became nauseated and had to find the restroom, which was in a back hallway storage area. Unfortunately, here, the feeling was even stronger. So strong that I abandoned my plans for the restroom, quickly gathered the books I needed, and got the hell out of there. 
That night, I was talking with my parents and mentioned my trip to the library, but did not mention my experience. At that time, my dad asked my mom if the library was still in the old Woolworths building. When she replied it was, he leaned forward, looked me in the eye, and said, Did you feel it? He said that it was when it was still a store, he had gone there at one point and had had the exact same experience the second he'd walked into the building. That had been almost 16 years prior. I was never able to figure out the history behind the building and never really asked anyone if they had a similar experience, as I was worried I'd seem crazy. All I do know is that it has been 21 years, and I can still remember exactly what it felt like in that building. I can still see the back hallway in my mind and get a little queasy every time I think about it. Oh, that is cool. That is wild, eh? Huh. And to have a shared experience like that with a parent. Yeah, that's it. Because oh. most of the stories you hear, it's parents going, oh, there's nothing there. Yeah, it's fine. It's Don't fine. Be silly. It's your yeah. imagination. The smell of sulfur is just uh, from leftover cooking. The door closing repeatedly. That's yeah. just the cat. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he uses his tiny paws. <laughs> yeah, no. Not helpful. Yikes. This one comes from Kevin. I remembered about a month ago, something that happened when I worked back shift at everyone's favorite Canadian coffee shop. <laughs> not mine, Kevin. Not nope. mine. No, I... I haven't spent money in, Kevin means Tim Hortons for those of you American types. Gross, don't talk about it. <laughs> I know if you say the name three times that Tim Hortons rotting corpse appears next to you. You know what I always thought was weird about that? Because I worked there in high school. What's that? Tim Horton, the hockey player that the chain is named after. I, I just have to say this and I don't mean it in a horrible way, but this is the first thing that popped in my head. I didn't realize they'd been around that long. Oh, <laughs> so I worked there in high school. Right. And Tim Horton, the hockey player who it's named after, was a drunken souse who ended up dying horribly in a car accident. Right. Don't you think it's weird that he died horribly in a violent car accident and they named the donut holes Tim Bits? Oh, that had never occurred to me. Oh, it occurred to me in high school. That's how fucking dark I was. <laughs> but I always thought that was so creepy and weird. There's a real sort of like, this is my body. (laughs) Tim Horton. Church of Horton. Yeah. What's that called? May the Tim be with you. The sacrament of. Holy communion. Communion. That's it. I couldn't think of the word. Oh man. Fucking pagan. (laughs) I'm Catholic too. I don't know. Not a good one. No. I was surprised when I found out other religions did communion. What do you mean other religions? I thought it was just Catholics. No. Okay. Other religions would imply other completely different faith bases. Catholic, Anglican, Lutheran, they're all Christian. Oh. There is a big difference between Roman Catholic and Protestant. That's where the big divide is. But they're all the same thing. See here, you pedant. You know what I bloody mean. The Protestants don't worship Mary or kiss up to the saints like you people. (laughs) And we also, most people don't believe, the Roman Catholics do, that the, the bread and the wine turn into the body and blood of Christ. Transubstantiation, it's a big deal in the Roman Catholic Church. Yeah. That's why the priest is the only one who can ever touch the sacrament. Really? Yeah, um, because he's blessed and holy. And But the Protestants believe it's more of a symbol. Oh, well, which it should be. Oh, well, That's yeah. stupid. Yeah, but I, I love being in some of those Protestant churches because I was raised Anglican, which is very close to Roman Catholic. Right. You have the communal cup. and Yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. But in the other churches, they pass around these little trays of little shots of grape juice. Really? Yeah. And so the first time I got it, I'm like, cool, shots of Jesus. And I shot it. And then I look around, I'm like, oh, we're supposed to wait. <laughs> so you have to wait till everyone has a little shot of Jesus. Right. And then you toss it. So I just faked it. Well, because otherwise, then he, you don't have a whole Jesus floating around the congregation. Exactly. You can't turn, you can't return. Partial Jesus. It's like that whole thing about, was it, was it that story about Hercules and the mule? 
he's not supposed to eat or, or the, the animal, like right. they, he's not supposed to eat the bone marrow because they're going to restore it. Yes. And th- then he restores it at yes. within one leg's got no bone marrow. Yeah. <laughs> so j- somewhere there is a very, lopsided uh, Jesus. very lopsided Jesus. Thanks well, to I you. thought it was funny that I was he's like very dizzy faking communion. I'm like, I mean, I've heard people faking other things. I've never heard <laughs> faking a Jesus. Really? Song. Tell us about that Ian. I wouldn't know anything about that. No, I wouldn't either. <laughs> Anyway, yes. uh, so Kevin was working at um, a coffee shop in Canada, and, and I want to say the reason I don't <laughs> that will not be named. Yes, the reason I don't uh, I don't patronize these places anymore is because of that very public fight in Ontario, yeah. where they raise the minimum wage to you know, oh my God, something that where these people might actually be able to pay their bills. Yeah, and the owners of the of a number of those franchises, yeah declared they were going to stop paying for benefits. Yes, and from their winter home in Florida, yeah. I might add. Yeah, yeah, no, no. That... We just can't afford it. No, no. And and now I know that wasn't everyone, but I just stopped at that point. No, nope, yeah, you me guys too. can kiss my ass, yep. rich bastards. Anyways, Kevin says, my coworker and I were cleaning the kitchen and dining room, and we heard a loud crash come from the drive-thru. Now, neither of us were anywhere near there, and the window was locked. So we start running out to see what happened, When we walk through the door, the rack that has all the specialty tea bags on it is sitting on the opposite counter, rocking back and forth. To get there, it had to move over an aisle between the two counters that was about three to four feet wide. Wow. We just looked at each other and I moved the rack back to where it belonged and we went back to work. Yep. Uh, Kevin also gave us a story which we're going to save for the mythical dream episode. Yeah. Which, mythical, exactly. Well, that, that will be happening when we come back from the break in January. Uh-huh. So. Don't you look at me like that. Don't you want ha me? Okay. Uh, something about this story that jumped out at me uh, when I was first reading it is I feel like this is probably more common than we think. I mean, yes. we always talk about paranormal shit being more common than we think it yeah. is anyways. But, you know, I mean, so much, because I, again, I don't think haunting is necessarily limited to X died here, therefore this no, place is haunted. No, no, no. So we're constantly building new shit. Yeah. And we're building new shit over top of, I'm sure you know, the North American equivalent of fairy forts. Oh, hundred percent. So it's kind of fascinating to think of all these modern looking, really boring cookie cutter buildings like a Tim Hortons yep. that are, have all this sort of old time energy that we attribute to castles and creepy old houses. And the Tim Hortons I worked at, uh, I did a couple graveyard chips and right. the energy in the front of the store absolutely changed. Really? Once, once we got around midnight, one o'clock in the morning. Fascinating. Yeah. I did not care for it. I stayed in the back and just silently made muffins. Yeah. I don't blame you. <laughs> but I feel like we, we just don't think about it like that. Nope. We think of again, 3 a.m. The haunting. It's always in the creepy old house. In the middle of the woods. Yeah. Yeah. Not never... the Arby's on route nine. That's it. Yeah. But it's yeah. just as likely to have these problems. Absolutely. Huh. Well, thank you so much, Kevin. And we will share the other story on the mythical dream episode coming your way in January, despite what Ian says, because he's an asshole. (laughs) This is from our friend, Ann. Hello, Ian and Brennan. I'm a recent listener to your podcast. Love the show and wanted to send you guys some stories. Aw, sweet. I have almost no one in my life interested in the other, and your podcast makes me feel much less alone. That's really cool. That is cool. Thank you for saying it. I'm glad that we can perform that function for you. Absolutely. My name is Ann. I'll be 26 shortly. I live in Penticton, B.C., I was raised a Jehovah's Witness, and they have an unwritten set of agreed-upon rules about demons, truly believing they walk among us, but I was never much for that. As I grew up, God slash Jehovah became more of a way to personify ideals than an actual being, and I eventually left the faith completely at age 18. Good for you. Yeah, definitely. I moved out when I was 19 and worked part-time at Walmart as a cashier. 
but the cost of living meant I had to start doing my own housekeeping contracts as well. James, a bachelor in his mid-fifties who was a workaholic, was my primary contact. I would come by every two weeks or so and tidy up, with an extra stop if his mother was going to be in town. He was never home when I would come to clean, but he'd always leave me a note, the money for cleaning, and a Coke in the fridge. His suite was a basement suite, in a cute house built in the 80s. Down 15 steps, it was truly in ground, with only two small slivers for windows, making the place permanently dim. He didn't care for decorating, so it was a dull collection of oversized gray furniture, neutral walls and linens, and his large TV, the only point of interest. This is a bachelor. Yeah, I was going to say, yep. this sounds like we, a dude's house. We have Absolutely. confirmation. Yeah. The landlady upstairs had a medium-sized dog named Axel. Animals and I have always gotten along. I like them more than people. However, on this particular visit, Axel was in the backyard and charged me once I was to the gate. His hackle was up, and he snapped at me. I yelled for the landlady to come and get him as he was scaring me, keeping my large purse between him and myself. She tried to drag him inside, but once they were at the steps, he freaked out and, once free, ran to the back of the yard to growl at me from behind the shed. Apologizing for her dog's behavior, she let me into the house, and I proceeded as normal. I put my headphones on, started the laundry, read James's note, and got to scrubbing the dishes. I couldn't shake the feeling of wanting to cry. I kept dismissing it as just an overreaction to Axel. The dog had always been friendly, and it really bothered me. As I was in my own head and scrubbing pots, I saw something blue out of the corner of my eye. There is no color in this suite. Anywhere. Shaking my head and telling myself I was being silly, I put on Mika to try and reclaim my good mood. I went to do the bathroom next. Mika would do that. Do you ever, you ever heard of stuff? Oh, I love Mika. I thought you might. So fun. I could only scrub for about two minutes at a time without stopping to check the doorway. After leaving the kitchen, the feeling of another person being there would not leave. I went upstairs and the landlady had left, so I was the only person in the entire house. I went back downstairs and locked his door behind me and resumed scrubbing the shower. As I stood up to go and clean the toilet, I saw blue in the corner of my eye again. I know there is nothing blue in this house. Even the Windex, the only color around, is orange. At this point, the hair on the back of my neck is, would not settle down. My chest felt tight, and I'm getting angry with myself for letting my imagination get away from me. I kept my head down and didn't look up as I finished the bathroom. Next, I went to make the bed with new sheets. To make the bed, I had to stand in the furthest corner away from the door. The wall opposite me was a giant mirror on top of an old dresser. I made the bed, looking only at the sheets, and I saw blue again beside me. I looked to the wall, and in the absolute corner, finally looking at the blue, and it's a little boy in a blue sweater. He wasn't looking at me. He was looking at the ceiling. Insane emotion slammed through me. Deep sadness, loneliness, horror, disbelief, and more than anything, an incredible sense of being unwelcome. I ran out of the house as fast as I could, smashing my shin on the bed frame and leaving my purse. Once outside in the sunshine, I dropped to the ground and sobbed so hard I couldn't breathe. I felt wrung out. Once I could stand again, I locked the back door at the top of the stairs and tried to figure out what to do. I couldn't leave. I needed my purse, and I had to finish the job. I needed the money. But there was no way I could go back in there. I did what every scared kid does. I called my mom. She answered, and I tried to tell her what was going on, but I couldn't. I was an incoherent mess. I managed to let her know where I was, and she came immediately. I got into her car and started crying again, talking slowly to try and keep myself together. Her first question was whether I was on drugs, and if I'd been sleeping enough. 
No drugs for me, and yes, lots of sleep. She apologized for asking, hugged me, and then said we should go inside. We went around the back of the house and they stopped immediately. The back door was half open. I'd locked it. I knew I had. My mom laughed at me and said that in my emotional state, I probably only thought I had, and she headed inside. I catch up to her, and halfway down the stairs, the light goes out. She laughs, asking if it's an automatic light, to which I reply, it isn't. The basement door is still open, so we keep walking. At the landing, she flicks the switch and the stair light comes back on. She laughs again, but I see her eyes are tight. I'm not the only one uncomfortable now. Boldly, she strolls into the suite, loudly asking if anyone is there, trying the windows and checking the closets. She reassures me there really is no one here, but she will sit with me while I finish cleaning if I'd like. I said okay, and went back up the stairs to grab my keys out of the outside door. When I came back down, my mom was noticeably pale, but said nothing. I went back to cleaning, and although I still felt uncomfortable, nothing else happened. When we got in the car, my mom asked if I was sure if the landlady had left, and I told her I was certain. That's when she told me that when I went up the stairs, she'd heard someone walking directly above her in the living room. I asked her not to make fun of me. I was actually scared, and she swears she was not. That's the last time I cleaned for James. I don't know what was going on, but I absolutely know there was a small boy in that house, and I was not wanted anymore. James didn't call me again, and I didn't call him either. This had some long-lasting effects on me. I didn't believe in the supernatural, but could not dismiss what I'd felt or how my mom had felt. That she had also been present to a smaller degree made it feel even bigger. My first conclusion was maybe my mental health was not as stable as I would like, and my mom was hyper-empathetic. I asked both my grandmas about our family history. My mom told me that I had a great aunt who died in a mental hospital, having been there since her teenage years, because she said she was tormented by spirits. But she was just crazy. Pay no mind to it. I couldn't find any more information on that side, as everyone is very tight-lipped about it. My dad's mom, however, had a fair bit for me. I have two cousins who are much older that I have never met. Kyle is the oldest and has been disowned. When he was 14, he came to the Jehovah's Witness elders in the local congregation and told them he was being followed by a demon. JWs did not op openly talk about demons, and he was immediately under incredible scrutiny. Many believed he was acting out as teens do. But his mother begged for help. It was not until a year later in the middle of winter that people began to take him seriously. In the middle of a Saskatoon winter, he ran screaming from the house, naked and clawing at his eyes, to be found a day later still alive and incoherent on the other side of the city. My other cousin, Rita, had a stroke at the age of 20, and the person who was there after openly said they were someone else. Both have been diagnosed as schizophrenic now but she doesn't believe it. Kyle, who I've talked to since, is completely better and works with mentally troubled youth. I told him my story, and he told me I should start seeing someone now before things progress. Better safe than sorry. My cousin Rita is beyond uncivil when I tried to talk to her. She now lives in isolation in Manitoba. My grandmother also had a story about me. My parents had a rough patch when my twin sister and I were four and a half, and my baby brother was two. We came to live with my grandmother in Edmonton for six months. As a Jehovah's Witness, she had people she went to talk to about God, and there was one specific lady named Bunny who wanted to talk often. My grandma used to bring my sister and I with her, and beforehand she told us to, under any circumstances, don't take any gifts from Bunny. She's nice, she's kind, she will have things to give you, you must not take them. Say thank you, but no thank you. 
Grandma said she went to the washroom, and when she came back, my sister was giving Bunny back a little wooden toucan on a swing, and I was holding a glass music box. She said she made me give the music box back too, but I didn't want to. Later that evening, she tells me I had the music box in my room and must have snuck it back. She says she tried to take it away many times, but it kept showing back up. It was a tiny mirrored music box with two little glass elephants on top. Her spiritual library would always come flying off the shelf in the night after taking the music box away. Apparently, Bunny was known for having demonic problems and for trying to latch these spirits onto children. Since my grandma clearly believed this, I don't understand why she brought us to that house. That is a great that question. That is a good question. Yeah. I don't remember any of this, but I do remember the music box. My grandma said she took it back to Bunny when we moved back in with our parents, and that was the last of it. I did go and see a shrink after talking with my cousin Kyle, but was told I seemed like a well-adjusted young lady. That there are things that cannot be explained, and perhaps it's best to leave them alone. I love that a psychiatrist told her that. Yeah, Just that's leave good. it. Just leave it. Just leave it. Yeah. My grandmother on my dad's side begged me to come back to the church for my own well-being. It's believed in the congregation the name Jehovah is enough to spell evil from you, but it has to be said with true conviction. As one without faith, he would not protect me, but I did not go back. I mean, if someone was just shouting Jehovah at me a bunch, I'd want to leave. (laughs) What I did do was start to try and find anything out about the blue boy. There's been nothing so far. I was excited about the Shadow People episode, but that doesn't really fit either. I started watching scary movies and looking to what they were based on, looking for events with their truth. The used bookstore and library have also been interesting, but everything sounds so fake. I know my own stories probably sound fake to others, but I know how I felt, and I have never run into it a second time. I get what she's saying, and I think I talked about this at that reading of Russell Books, that until you live in a haunted house, you do not have the same appreciation for people who've done it. Oh, no, not at all. And, and people would tell me haunted house stories, and I'd be like, oh, that's really interesting. But you don't get it. And then when you live through it, you're like, oh. Oh, yeah. It. So her story rings very true to me because it there's nothing uh, in there that seems completely whacked out. No, this all seems wholly possible. Yeah. I yeah. mean, the, the emotions, the little boy being there, yep. it all makes sense to me. I, I find it interesting he didn't call her again. I almost wonder if there was some sort of subtle influence putting there, whatever's in the house. You know, he'd been there long enough that I'm sure these things were just whispering in his ear. Well, the other thing too is perhaps um, that, you know, she cleaned the house and left and then the spirit just made a mess. And so he came back and went, oh, she didn't do a very good job. Oh, maybe. Like, look at the mess she left. You think you'd ask though, right? You think you'd say, hey, I... No, I wouldn't. Really? No. I'd be like, oh, well, I'm not calling her back. Interesting. I had a cleaning lady who broke something like every time she was there. Really? Yeah. And after the fourth time she got in touch, she texted me. She's like, oh, do you want me to come this week? I'm like, no, we're good. Huh. That was it. That's how I fired the help. Classy. <laughs> what, did, what did she break? Uh, like everything. She broke a vase. She broke uh, one of our dishes. She really? smashed a clock and knocked it off while she was dusting. Jesus. Like, she was. This is extreme dusting? We were both working. We had international students. We just wanted the fucking house cleaned. And did say that um, she was going to include some dream stuff as she occasion on occasion gets hyper-realistic odd dreams. Uh, if you're still out there, we would love to see them. This one comes from Donna. I'm a new fan of the show and have a story I'd like to share of something that happened maybe six or seven years ago. I live in the Kansas City area and at the time was a regular volunteer at a local animal shelter, working specifically with the cats. There were several other volunteers who worked the Friday night shift with me. One year in October, someone had the idea for us to go up to Fort Leavenworth after our Friday night shift 
to go on one of the ghost tours. A few of the volunteers, spouses, and kids joined in, and we ended up being a group of about 12 to 15 people. It was unusually bitter cold that night. As I recall, it was below freezing in the 20s. Tours started about every hour or so, and our group arrived a little late, about 15 minutes or so after a tour had started. It was way too cold to wait around for the next tour group, so we instead found where the previous group was and just joined in, having missed the first stop or two. I'll just say a few words about the tour. If you live within the vicinity, you really should go check it out. It's a walking tour around the historic part of the base. Many of the buildings are beautiful and historic, and the ghost stories are told by personnel and residents who live and or work on the base. Many of them are military officers who recounted their own experiences. They also include, when they can, historic bits about the Fortin area, and sometimes, if known, how a particular story came to be. At the end of the tour, someone from our group asked our guide if we could, if they could direct us to the first stop we had missed, as we were late in joining. We went to the first stop we had missed, which was a residence. The speaker for that stop was standing outside the house. Since she was between groups, she agreed to give us her story, and we all went inside. We entered into the basement of the house. The way the place was built, in the back there was ground-level entry directly into the basement. I'm afraid I can't remember many of the specifics about her stories. I do remember that she was not a resident of the house, but a military officer on the base. The people who lived there were all out of town, and the house was empty. At one point, as she was recounting the strange occurrences that had been reported to have happened there, she said that some of them included the resident's cat. She said that apparently the ghost, or whatever was there, did not seem to like cats, because the cat would often get locked outside when it wasn't possible for someone else to have done this. She also explained that some of the other things that had happened to the cat would act scared, or like it was being chased, or it would be shut up in places and whatnot. We all had a good laugh and explained to her that we were all cat volunteers at the local animal shelter. <laughs> Suddenly, this huge wooden door to a small empty storage room in the basement slammed shut. And I mean with force. It didn't slowly close or just drift close. There was great strength behind it. Yikes. And this wasn't just any modern door. This building was over 100 years old, probably around 120 to 150 and the door was built out of solid logwood. It was thick and heavy. We all jumped a foot. The tour guide wrapped it up pretty quickly after that. <laughs> yeah, I would too. Yeah, right? <laughs> As we were leaving, someone asked her why, since it was so cold outside, she had been waiting between tour groups outside in the cold instead of in the warmth of the basement. She said she'd done that at first, but then had started hearing a voice call her name. Remember, she was alone in the house. Oh, not cool. Yeah, no, I'm outside nope. too. Yep. Of course, a skeptic would say that this was all for show, a scripted event that was meant to put a scare into tourists, and we'll never really know with 100% certainty that's not true. However, nothing remotely like that had occurred at any of the other stops, and the storyteller seemed genuinely surprised and frightened when the door slammed. It's kind of like when Shannon and I were at the Honda Museum, yeah. and the guests seemed genuinely surprised that the thing had said my name. Yeah, and when I've done ghost tours and something's happened, you just need to look at the the face of, of course, yeah, yeah, guiding you around, because you can't cover that up. No. And, and if you know it's coming, it's awfully hard to fake that convincingly so yeah that's yeah, it i get it so uh, she says i have a few other things that have happened to me several of them involve a special connection i seem to have with my dad if you're interested i may send those to you when i have a chance please do yeah that would be great absolutely. again we love these stories we just learned so much from you guys yeah absolutely so thank you so much this one's from allison i love your show i'm from edmonton boo and even though <laughs> And even though I just heard that one of you isn't a fan, you should go back and check out the abandoned hospital in Westmount, the Charles Camsel. It's right in the middle of a residential area, but it's been shut down and condemned for years. Anyway, I just listened to the show about shadow people, and it reminded me of something that happened when I was a kid. I lived in this one house until I was about 10. The basement was big, and the stairs came down from the floor above right in the middle. 
This left us with a big place to play, but also a hallway around the back that led to some bedrooms. The basement was mostly well lit, but in the little hallway there were no lights. I hated walking in there, and would always run. I never saw anything, but I did always have this feeling that there was this thing there. It was man-shaped and completely black, and felt like it was always just out of my sight. Like I would feel that it was behind me, but I could never turn around fast enough to see it. If I turned around to where I thought it was, it would be behind me on the other side. I'm not sure if that's the kind of thing you mean by shadow people. Is all your stories mention them actually being seen? I don't know. I just thought it was creepy. Oh, that's creepy. Well, and I think you did see it in a way. You knew it was man-shaped and completely black, and you felt it. Like, you saw it in your mind's eye. Yeah, that's it. Close enough. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's better than actually seeing them, for Christ's sake. Absolutely. Sakes. Good Lord. No, that's... You don't want to see those things. This one comes from Jacob. Hi, my name is Jacob, and I'm from Iowa. I've only had a handful of... Is this not the second one we've had from Iowa today? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, because yeah, the other one was from Maurice, Iowa. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Anyways, yes, it's pretty cool. I've never been to Iowa. I When I was in Minnesota at that wedding, we were going to drive southeast far enough just so we could say we crossed into Iowa, <laughs> but we didn't get that far. Yeah, you probably didn't miss much. Jeez, <laughs> oh, he started a war on a second front. <laughs> Iowa and Edmonton. Well, they're probably pretty close. Well, yeah. I don't know. Iowa could be lovely. I've never been. No. One what, day. What's it known for? Corn? I think so. Idaho is potatoes. Iowa is corn. I think so. Yeah. That's all. literally all I know. And what's the ones with milk? Wisconsin cheese. Yes. Yeah. I did laundry in Wisconsin once. Nice. Mm. That's as about all you could do in Wisconsin. All right. Sorry. Jacob. Jacob says, I've only had a handful of ghostly paranormal type encounters, but a couple of them really stuck with me. For this first one, I was only 10 years old and I was having a sleepover with a couple of my friends. We were about to fall asleep in our sleeping bags in the living room when the lights flickered a bit. I thought nothing of it and went back to sleep. No more than two hours later, I woke up to every single light in the upper level of my house flashing and flickering at random. Every light except one, and directly under that light, there was a tall black shadow of a man. Oh, not cool. Well, man with pretty big quotation marks because he or it was tall and it had thin limbs. Its arms and legs were too long and couldn't have been any bigger around than my wrists. I couldn't make out its face, but it could, I could tell it was watching me. My brilliant 10-year-old self decided what I should, that I should just hide under my blanket, the greatest shield against anything paranormal. Yeah, I was, that was a, a popular tool with me, too. Yep. When I peeped back out from under my blanket, the lights were still flickering, and it was nowhere to be seen until I looked down at the foot of my sleeping bag, and there it was, no. looming over me. No. I went straight back under the blanket, and eventually, after what seemed like hours, I managed to get to sleep. And in the morning, it was gone. My other shadow person experience is much less intense. At my old house, there was a forest behind it, and in front was a street light that partially lit up the tree line of the forest in back. Every night at about midnight, five to seven shadows would walk out of the tree line, stand in a circle for ages, swaying from side to side. Then they would break the circle, form a line, and walk back into the forest. Yikes! Yeah, yikes is right. In the morning, there was no sign of them. That's my experience. Thank you for making the show. It makes my life a hell of a lot less boring. I don't know, man. Your life sounds pretty fucking interesting. Wow. And a circle. That is so um, ritualistic. I was just going to say, yeah. it sounds like some kind of ritual. Yeah. Wouldn't it be a bitch if you were a cultist of some kind and you started doing this as like a longevity thing? You know, we will do the circle dance and we will live forever. And but then the, the pisser do. is it's you doing the circle dance forever. Yeah. That would suck. That would just suck. hanging out with a bunch of spectral hippies. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> And having to wait until midnight. 
Well, it's, that's I, it. I, that's I the only time to shine. Yeah, it's, no, that's me. I'm fine. I, yeah. oh. You get used to that part. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that, Jacob. That is uh, yeah, that's that was... truly creepy. Uh, the, the blanket thing reminded me. One of the movies I watched on Shudder was called Hell House LLC. Okay. And it's a found footage film about this group of kids who, uh, I say kids, young people, who put on a horror house every year before Halloween. Right. And they decide to do it in rural Pennsylvania. Right. Uh, oh, Pennsylvania. Yeah, Pennsylvania. Anyways, there's a scene where one of them is hiding under a blanket. Right. Scared the ever-loving fuck out of me. Really? I actually had to pause it and watch the rest of it in the morning. Wow. Yeah. To scare you? I was done. Brent is Brent taps. I might need to see that. Yeah, well, we should watch it sometime. Yeah. It's, it's a good-ass movie. So this final story is from John. It is a really long one, so we're going to uh, sort of trade off on it. Yeah. So this story is from John. It was January of 1998. My twin brother and I were eight years old. My parents made the decision to purchase a new house across town. We lived in Manchester, Connecticut, a colonial area town located just outside of Hartford, which is about a two-hour drive from New York City. Manchester is a classic New England town dotted with beautiful Victorian and colonial-era homes, which echo back to the town's prosperous origins in the silk industry. Built in 1969, my house was situated in a relatively newer neighborhood in the quiet part of town which bordered a state park. All the homes around us were of similar age or newer, except the one directly next door, which was built in the late 1800s or early 1900s. For some reason, the house next door always gave me the creeps, and I felt uncomfortable looking at it. Whenever I walked or rode past on my bike, in terms of personal paranormal sensitivity, I've noticed that I mostly pick up different energies, and the energy coming from this house felt dark and somewhat menacing. Anyway, one night, not long after we moved into the house, my parents talked my brother and I in and said goodnight. I gently fell asleep and was soon enveloped in my usually peaceful dreams. That night, however, as I ascended into my dream, it felt very real, and to this day it's one dream I remember vividly. I've never forgotten it. My dream started with me seemingly waking up and sitting up in my bed. My twin brother is fast asleep in the bed about ten feet across the room. A glow from the hallway was the only light cast into the large bonus room he and I shared. As I sat in bed, I gazed out across the room to the light of the open door. I pushed the covers down and turned my body to the right, putting my feet on the warm, carpeted floor next to my bed. I stood up out of bed and slowly but deliberately started walking towards the door and out of the room into the upstairs hallway almost like I was going downstairs to get a glass of water. I walked to the top of the wooden staircase and started to descend into the darkness of the entry foyer. Step by step, I walked further from the light until it was completely dark. I took another step and turned my head to the right, looking out across the formal living room. A dull light, seemingly coming from outside, filled the room with a dim, heavy atmosphere. The light softly gleamed on the polished wood of the piano, casting a placid glow on the plush cushions of the couches and sitting chairs. I took another step as my eyes adjusted to the room, and then I saw them. I stopped dead in my tracks as my eyes locked in on three black figures standing centered at the far end of the room, behind the couch in front of the picture window. My body froze as I stood, transfixed. The figure in the middle was the tallest, with a slightly shorter figure to his right and the smallest on his left. My brain rapidly processed the sight before me. My heart sank and I gasped for air to let out a terrified shriek when suddenly I violently sprang out of my dream into reality, jolting up in my bed, panting as I struggled to catch my breath. I sat there, terrified, my eight-year-old self not knowing what to think or how to react, 
the dream seemed so real, like it just happened, but there I was, in my bed. The rest of the night, dreamless. The next day I told my family about the dream, but I cannot recall my parents or brother's reaction. They most likely chalked it up to a nightmare. Little did any of us know that it was not just a dream, rather more of an omen of things to come. My brother and I were 18 when my parents divorced, and 22 when they sold the house. We lived there for 14 years, filling the house with all the happy memories a family creates as children come to age. One day, just after selling the house, my brother and I were hanging out together on campus where we lived at the time, and we found ourselves entangled in nostalgia. We started talking about the house, remembering good and not-so-good times we had there. When my brother mentioned something he had never told me before. He said that while all, we all lived there, for some reason we never truly felt alone in the house. It was almost as if someone was always there watching us, especially in certain rooms. We started talking about the house, remembering good and not-so-good times we had there, when my brother mentioned something he had never told me before. He said all the while we lived there, for some reason, we never truly felt alone in the house. It was almost as if someone was always there watching us, especially in certain rooms. At that moment, it was like a floodgate had opened. As if now that the house was part of our past, we were free to freely speak about some of the things we'd experienced over the years. Yeah, that makes sense. We both had identical sentiments on the energy in the formal living room, in the adjacent dining room. As a child, whenever it was nighttime, I would never feel comfortable in or near that room. I would always run quickly by in the hallway whenever I had to get past it to get to the kitchen, or I would go around through the family room to avoid it altogether. After more discussion, we realized that over the years, each one of our family members had an experience in that area of the house. And that's interesting, because his reaction to the living room is most kids' reaction to the basement. Yeah. But for him, it was like the formal living room, like a central part of the house. My brother told me about one night when he walked down to the kitchen to grab a bite to eat. He opened the fridge and foraged around, pulling out some tortilla chips and grated cheese to make microwave nachos. A deliciously underrated snack, by the way. So true. I agree. So true. <laughs> He set his ingredients down on the counter and turned back to close the fridge door. As he closed the door, he saw, in his peripheral vision, a black figure standing in the doorway to the dining room. When he turned to look, the figure crouched down and swiftly dashed out of view. Needless to say, he was terrified. Another time, my mother had a similar experience. She was organizing a drawer and a dresser she got from my grandmother's house, which she had set up in the formal dining room. She was alone. She was sitting at the dining room table going through items from the drawer when she saw what she thought was my father, walked by in her peripheral vision. She got up and called his name, following him out of the room, but when she turned the corner into the formal living room, no one was there. She searched the entire house for him until she called his cell to ask if he had returned home for something. To this, my father replied, he was still out with my brother and I. Wow. The last major incident, incident which occurred in that room targeted me. I think these spirits knew I had the greatest fear of the supernatural. One evening when I was about 15, I was sitting in the formal living room reading a few chapters of The Crucible for my English class. Snooze. <laughs> As I sat there with my cat on my lap, my brother was in the family room on the other side of the first floor watching TV, and both my parents were in the kitchen. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, the standing lamp next to my grandmother's piano, ten feet across the room from the chair I was sitting in, violently slammed to the ground as if someone walked up to it and pushed it over. Oh, whoa. This was in the same room where both my brother and mother saw the shadow figures. This was also the same room where I, years ago, dreamed of those three shadows standing at the back of the room. I was terrified and ran into the kitchen. My parents actually didn't believe me when I told them, but I swear there was absolutely no plausible explanation for what was happening. That's the most intense manifestation of the dark energy experienced by anyone in the house. The last encounter came much later in our time at the house, and again, I was the target. I was 21, and my brother and I were in college living on campus. 
One night we decided to drive back to the house at my mother's request to check up on it since no one was living there at the time. We hung out for a few hours, then went to bed. I drifted off to sleep in my room, a different room than when I was eight. That particular night, at about 4 a.m., I suddenly and inexplicably opened my eyes, coming out of a deep sleep. As my eyes adjusted to the completely dark room, I noticed the only light coming in was from the street lamp outside. This was odd, because I never, ever go to sleep in the complete dark. I always leave a light on when I go to bed. My eyes continued adjusting, and as I lay on my side looking out into my room, I noticed that in the light cast on my closet door from the street lamp outside, there stood a tall black silhouette of what looked like a man in a coat and a brimmed hat. I narrowed my eyes to get a better look. It looked so real that I thought it was my brother standing there. As I was about to inhale, preparing to say my brother's name aloud, I blinked, and the figure dissolved into the light. Hmm. Suddenly I couldn't move and was hit with a sharp sensation of goosebumps throughout my body. I frantically fumbled for the light on my bedside table. I turned it on and there was no one there except for my cat, who was curled up next to my legs with her head up, transfixed in an intense gaze towards the closet door, not even flinching when the light came on. I ran down the hall to my brother's room, waking him up in a frenzy. He responded that he's been sleeping and I should just go back to bed. Yeah, right. This I cannot explain, and quite frankly, I don't even want to speculate. The creepiest part of this, though, is when I recalled something my mother once told me years prior to this happening. One evening, she returned from work, and when she got home, she came into the house, walked upstairs into my room, and knocked on the door. When she came in, she said, Hi, honey, which of your friends is here? I looked at her puzzled and said, What are you talking about? There's no one here. She looked confused, then told me that as she pulled up the driveway just then, she saw in my bedroom window what looked like someone standing in my room. But it wasn't me. She said she saw what looked like a man, wearing a coat and a brimmed hat. Good luck to whoever lives there now. <laughs> oh, oh, man. That's a good story. That is a great story. And the fact that it happened over so many years. That's it. Yeah, it's just persistent. <sighs> oh, boy. Yeah. No. no. That is a great story. Thank you so much for that. Yeah. Man, no, again, I'm cool. glad you're out of there. All right. Well, that's the end of our listener stories for now. Thank yeah. you so much, everyone. This are, We love doing this. And honestly, that was like a dent yeah. in the amount of stories we got. That <laughs> yeah. was, wow. No, so we, as I said, we'll be sharing more of those in the new year. And if you have personal experiences, send them to us. We would Please. love to hear them. Please. Uh, ghoststoryguys at gmail.com is probably the best way to get a hold of us. Mm-hmm. And uh, we will always respond to your messages. It might take us a few days because yep. Ian handles email and yeah, it's been busy. Yeah. But uh, we will definitely get back to you and we would very much like to hear your stories. Mm-hmm. All right. So we're going to take a little break and then we're going to have some patron shout outs and listener mail. Welcome back. Thanks as always to our researchers, Luke Greensmith and Anthony Germain for their mm-hmm. help on this episode. And obviously, uh, this is listener stories, but they've been working in the background like, uh, like animals. Yeah. We've got a bunch of stuff coming up for this in the next year and they, they are already on it. They're on it. Yeah. yeah we we couldn't do this without them. So no. thank you guys. All right. Speaking of people, we couldn't do this without, 
uh, I'd like to get to our patron shoutouts. Yeah. So we'd like to thank all our patrons, of course, uh, but we'd especially like to thank our new patrons. They are... Okay, so the first one, we're, we're arguing about how to pronounce this. It's Jennifer, I think it's Milne. And I think it's Jennifer Milne. So Jennifer, let us know which Please one of us is us. right. So because that, of course it's me, and I'm sorry you're from Edmonton, but I'm sure you're a good person. I hope she down. lies now, just to fuck with No, her. don't lie to me. Please. You know I'm right. <laughs> I'm don't. from Alberta. We have a kinship. And I knew someone named Milne. Oh, well, there we go. Uh-huh. All right. Vivian Tong. Lisa Deer Castellanos. Rin Lemieux. And, oh, Lynn, Rin. Oh, yeah. fantastic. Yeah, Rin's a regular listener of my radio show. Yeah. Oh, there you go. And Jaden Bowen, who just signed up today when we were doing this. Thank you, Jaden. So, yes, thank you, everyone, for signing up. Absolutely. We certainly appreciate it. Um, you guys, this has literally been life-changing. Like, yeah. It, for, for us to have the Patreon yeah. has been crazy. It's um, so much better. Oh, man. It's, yeah. I, there are no words. No. Uh, if you want to become a patron, you can subscribe at patreon.com slash ghost story guys. So you can subscribe at one, five, and ten dollars. Yeah. And everything from five up gets you access to our bonus episodes, or not bonus episodes, but uh, our bonus material. Yeah. We do... Um, Anywhere from five to sometimes 35 minute long, uh, bonus rambles. <laughs> yeah. We're just talking about, uh, what we've been doing lately, television, all that kind of crap. I think the last one we had a particularly scarring conversation about condom use that, uh, <laughs> I'm sure ruined the ears of everyone who listened. Oh, I hope no children hear this. Oh yeah, I know. I, th- I, I think about that constantly. I know. <laughs> so again, that's patreon.com slash ghost story guys. And oh yeah, at $5 and above too, you get access to our exclusive you get a, a free exclusive uh patron only sticker ghost ghost cool. story guys sticker with nice. and i love those things they're very yeah, cool they are very cool designed by the canadian artist wanda fraser ah, who is very talented cool. yes she is uh speaking of very talented i wanted to thank sam georgiev who from poor dog farms oh the black dogs the black dogs amazing check him out on instagram at poor dog farm and he is a, a painter who drew several, or painted rather, several uh, black dog portraits yeah. inspired by our, our episode. Yeah, crazy town. Incredible crazy stuff. Town. I yeah. was just, bo- I told him, I said, I'm actually a little overwhelmed yeah. that we could inspire something <laughs> so beautiful and, and so that powerful. We could, you could just end it with that we could inspire. Yeah, there's that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that too. Well, it's like when, when anyone sends us, uh, you know, Catherine sent us the Ghost Force yes. design and Ruth Nathaniel has sent us. Daniel and Kiki. Exactly. Ruth has sent us a couple, uh, there was one, the slaves of the cheese demon, Yes, you know, uh, shadow cat and <laughs> it's just fantastic. And of course, Wanda, when we first started, Wanda sent us those wonderful skull designs. Yeah. Very so, cool. and all the people who've sent us drawings and you guys just thank nope. you for all your support and all its forms. And it, it doesn't even have to involve giving money. Just the fact that you well, listen. that's good too. Though. I mean, it helps. Don't yeah. get me wrong. But the fact that you listen, you, yeah. you send us email, you just remind yeah. us you're out there and listening, man. It doesn't get better than that. No. So thank you so much, guys. Uh, we're going to do a little bit of listener mail. Our courteous and efficient staff is on call 24 hours a day to serve all your supernatural elimination needs. We're ready to believe you. Uh, we had a question from Sam asking if saging or smudging or otherwise cleansing your house can do more harm than good. Uh, her and her husband are going through some stuff and she asked about this. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we've responded to Sam separately, but I wanted to address this quickly, uh, although we kind of did earlier in the show. Yeah. In as much as I, I think that... Um, as long as what's happening is not, you know, you actually have what you think is an entity in the house. Yeah. You know, if you're just trying to clear out maybe some bad vibes or, you know, like for example, my wife went through a period of illness, uh, several years ago and a prolonged, you know, it was prolonged. It was about a month long. Once it was done, we smudged the whole house and it felt so much better. Yeah. Good. So if you're in a situation like that, 
do it. Go yeah, for it. It's not going to yeah. do any harm. But uh, I did say to Sam, make sure you smudge yourself first. Right. And do it again after you're done. And uh, do the same thing too if you have someone else living in the house with you. It helps to do them too. Whether they want it or not. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that's our, our answer. But again, we, we responded to Sam already. So we also had uh, an email from Lindsay. And Lindsay, uh, she's from Ontario. She shares a story with us. And she tells us uh, a, quite an interesting story that we'll probably tell on a future episode. But she just wanted to say that uh, she's working with a spiritual healer now. And she's working hard to cleanse her aura and surround herself with good energy. Mm-hmm. And that's great, mm-hmm. uh, Lindsay. Definitely keep uh, keep at it. We had a story from Jessica uh, and Michael. The story Michael shared with us, again, we'll, we'll get to it in a future episode, but he is dealing with some, some presence in the house and he's uh, dealing, it sounds like, with some depression. And um, oftentimes this stuff, if you're close to it, and the thing you're close to is not a happy presence. It's not uncommon for no. depression to sort of no. come as a second to that. Uh, so he asked some questions. He said, is there a way to do it? Your, is there a do it yourself way to detect a ghost? Uh, any old school protection ways to antagonize the presence ways to ward or make it feel uncomfortable recommendations on how I should deal with it. Now, I believe you responded to him separately. I, I did. I scroll. Yeah. If you scroll down, you know. So, um, I'll let, actually I'll let you, uh, I'll let you give your answers to these. Oh, I, I just said, I don't think there's any solid way other than feelings, unless you see or hear something. Um, but don't doubt those feelings because I mean, that's all I get is feelings. Um, and I always tell people, don't forget your feelings because that's why we have instincts. Yeah, absolutely. For a reason. No instincts are important. And, and I would agree. I think I, I am not a big fan and I know this is not going to be a popular statement, I am not a big fan of things like EMF meters to detect ghosts or ghost boxes. I mean, I've seen now that they can work, Yeah, but I just don't think there's no concrete way to say yes, ghost be no, or or no ghost. No, I don't think so either. Um, so no, I'm very much with you as for old school protection. I just talked about talking to it out loud, acknowledging it, asking it to leave you alone or go away. Um, there's always smudging. Uh, the personal thing I do is the light, filling my space with light, um, the room, the bed, the hallway, the rest of the place. And then if you're going to go out and, and do investigations or whatever, um, they imagine a bubble of light around them. People do, um, as protection. Uh, but yeah, I think that would be my old school protection. I don't know what else. The only other thing I could suggest, and this is. I was going to say this is a bit woo, but I guess given the subject matter, the whole show's a bit yeah, woo. We're, we're a yeah. little through the looking glass there. Um, there is a lot of uh, commonality amongst old fairy tales of all cultures, the jinn, uh, the good, you know, the fae right. folk about their aversion to iron. Oh, okay. And so it may help. I, when I worked in the old office, which was a real problem, especially when we were on the second floor. I went and purchased several pieces of magnetite, which have a very high iron content. Iron content. Right. And I placed them above doors, above certain windows. Did that work? It actually helped uh, mm. for the office. When I was in my office, I had one over my door. Right. And I could, f- when outside was bad, I could feel it, but it couldn't get all the way in. Nice. I was aware of it. Yeah. But it couldn't, I feel like it, it couldn't come all the way right. in. Right. Right. Um, That's good. Yeah. And I feel like if I'd had it over the window as well, I yeah. might've had better luck, but I right. only had it over the door. Uh, so that's worth looking into. I mean, yeah. again, uh, a horseshoe or something, you know, Yeah. I, it may be total bullshit, but I figure if, if you're in a situation where you can't leave, then anything is worth a shot. 
Well, and it's funny because that kind of leads into, he says ways to antagonize the president. Oh, presence. fuck no, don't do that. And I said, I got to be honest, that seems like a bad idea. Um, That's like saying, I have carpenter ants in my house. How can I ensure they're really pissed off? Yeah. <laughs> I basically said, these are just people um, who sometimes are bewildered. They don't know they're dead. All sorts of reasons. So start friendly. And then ramp it up from there. You know, deal with them as they're going to deal with you. But antagonizing them, that's never a good plan. No, that kind Would of... you do that? Would you walk into a gas station and start pissing people off? No? no. Okay, then. Yeah. Don't do it with the spirits because that's all they are is just basically disembodied people for the most part. Yeah. But just in terms of intention, that is the key. And I have always said that. It's about intention, which is why so many different methods do work. Right. Because it's what you're going to be able to throw... Yeah, it's what you believe yourself. in. It's not the thing, yeah. it's that you believe in it. Yes. Yeah. And then recommendations on how I should deal with it. And I just said, you know what, check the history of the building, check the history of the land, um, right. what's been going on there. Um, it'd be helpful to know. It might give you some clues as to what it is or what's happening. And then, mm-hmm, good luck. Yeah, I mean, that's that's about the best we, we can do. We don't know what we're doing. No, we I mean, are and, not and, professionals And here. I think it's important. I don't think there really is such a thing to a certain degree. Oh, well, there is if you say you are, apparently. Well, yeah, it's like being a <laughs> you know a personal trainer or a social media expert, you know? Yeah. Look in the mirror. I'm now this thing. Yeah, Which exactly. is not a dig against personal trainers. No, I know a lot all. of you guys kick ass. Well, and some of them are very highly schooled. Absolutely. So. Some of them are very good. Some of them are full of shit. <laughs> all right. So good luck, Mike, and, and let us know how, what, what happens, man. Lauren from Northern Ireland wrote in just to say thanks for including her stories in the Halloween special. She says, hearing them read out uh, loud made them seem less mad. And she said, the link between my brain injury and murderous pedophile Fred West made me laugh. <laughs> I thought I'd edited that out. Way to go, Brennan. I thought Way I'd, to go. I am so sorry, Lauren. I, I meant nothing by it, I assure you. Uh, and she says, there's an interesting documentary on YouTube called The Fairy Faith in Search of Fairies. There's a particularly scary encounter described in it involving a man's shadow. I haven't seen that yet, but I will check that out. Yeah. Um, I will say I was listening to Midnight in the Desert when Shannon was on, uh, on there a couple nights ago and she had Joshua Cutchin on. And, uh, Josh is kind of an interesting guy. He's written several books on the Fae. Uh, one of which is called The Trojan Feast. That was the first one. Right. And it's about the offering of food and drink. Mm, mm-hmm. Uh, but his most recent one is about fairy abduction oh, or wow. child abduction. And, uh, no, it's, he's got, I think he's got, I think he's on the right path as far cool. as, you know, figuring some of this shit out. Yeah. But, uh, and so, yeah, check out his books. If you're interested in fairy stuff, check out, um, Thieves in the Night, uh, which is his newest book. We had a message from Mel. She said, just finished listening to the first most part of episode 44, spooky Brennan experiences. The part of the recent Revelstoke trip with risk taking, lost time, uncharacteristic behavior and strange noises struck me a lot like oppression. Hopefully it was just some bad potato wedges from 7-Eleven. I don't eat the 7-Eleven potato wedges. <laughs> I love that her subject line is rebel soap sounds scary as fuck. Yes. Well, you're not wrong. <laughs> All right. So we had a bunch of other stuff, but again, we sort of have to, uh, we, we have got, to... we got a ton. We probably have more mail in a short period of time because of this Halloween episode than ever. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So thank you to everyone who wrote in. Yeah. Um, thank you to everyone who came to Ian's reading. Yeah, sorry we haven't talked if about you that. came and got turned away. Uh, I <laughs> oh, felt bad. were people turned away? Uh, repeatedly for the first half an hour of the reading. Oh, because they were capacity. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, she was at the door. I didn't know what was happening. I, I well, now that you mentioned, I saw people leave. I sort of thought they yeah, were looking. No, for they something. were coming down the stairs, and she was saying, "Sorry, we're full. Mm. Hit the bricks." So, um, if you came and you couldn't get in, I apologize. Yes, but uh, thank you to those who did come. That was yeah, a lot it was fun. fun. That was a, you guys did a great job. Yeah, and. That's going to do it for listener mail for now. Yeah. Uh, do we have anything coming up? Not really. No, I do quiet. have something I need help with though. 
Uh, what is it? Um, well, I'm working on a new project involving the greater Vancouver area. Right, of course. So if anyone has stories um, or know of people who work in buildings that perhaps have things going on, um, any kind of connection you can throw me that I can follow up on, or, or you have the story yourself, please help me out here. Um, uh, send me an email. Uh, you can get a hold of me at theghoststoryguys at gmail.com uh, and, uh, and let me know if you have any stories or you know of someone who has a story or you have a friend who's worked in a place that uh, definitely has some spiritual weirdness going on. Um, I want to talk to you. So that's the greater Vancouver area. Uh, and I am looking forward to hearing from you. So yeah, that'd be great. Please. I really want to hear from you. Yes. And if any of you have ever dreamed about a serpent with many eyes, let me know. <laughs> and, or that. Or that. <laughs> that's a whole other thing. Though. <laughs> All right. I uh, want to thank our musical guest, Black Arcade, uh, for their song. The song is Death Is Not A Lover. You can find more of him at blackarcade.bandcamp.com or on all the major streaming services. I think he just dropped a whole bunch of new merch. So oh, sure cool. Check that out. Uh, speaking of, of musicians, um, who you and I are huge fans of, Vampire Stepdad has a new album out. Oh, awesome. Yeah. It's all, uh, s- sort of Halloween-y kind of atmospheric stuff, but it's really good. I did was, you see the buttons he's... I did. Placing the Vampire Stepson? But they're only for echo-synthetic. I, I was so bummed. I know. Same thing with the new tees. Really? He's got a new t-shirt, but they're all for the echo-synthetic show. <sighs> I know. I, I wanted to go to that so bad. <laughs> One day. One day. One day. I'd like to thank Peter of Pizzanta Music for our fabulous theme song. You can find more from him at soundcloud.com slash Music or on any of the major streaming services. I guess that's going to do it. Mm-hmm. We'll be back in two weeks with our next episode. And until then, into the darkness we go.
Of Those, course you do. They're big. Uh, they're big annual summer festivals, all about prostitutes. No wonder you like it. They have a prostitute festival. What's well, called Klondike Days, but oh, I got rid of it. That's the. Uh, see, you had me, then you lost me. <laughs> I was hoping you wouldn't ask that question, so I'd sound like I knew what I was talking oh, well, about. Well, it sounded impressive until you tried to explain it. Then I won't make that mistake some again. Skillful editing will fix that. <laughs> Brendan is great. <laughs> he is well traveled and handsome. <laughs> yeah, you would need to loop that one together. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> that's a big old poop you're taking <laughs> so we are anti-catholic on this show is what's happening apparently yes okay yeah quite violently apparently yeah, well, <sighs> oh my god you started it. no i did not truly you did <laughs> and i oh, never went back it's everywhere yep that was great <laughs> yep <laughs> now the people i'm hanging out with <laughs> That is not a worry. I don't understand, Ian. We didn't civilize the world, so people go around with their dicks looking like old hobos in trench coats. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> we both know that's not true. <laughs> that is not true. Well, oh my God. Uh, Can't say that. Oh, uh, but no, these are bigger. Oh, I see. It's all about size with my people. <laughs> Oh, God. I almost spit water all over the computer. <laughs> That's going in the outtakes. <laughs>